Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Financials Podcast, Future Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty, and I'm your host, and I'm also a CFP, which I feel like we could all say in unison stands for a Certified Financial Planner. And I am here with my guest today, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Hi. So this is going to be a different podcast for our listeners, because we are going to talk about, I think we're going to talk about retirement planning. Yeah. So why don't you give um, us the rundown, age, location, Married, not married, kids, all that jazz. Okay, you got it. I am 52, so I'm not your typical listener, but I love the show. I love that you are a listener. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I have been married for 30 years. I have four adult children, and we live in the Boise, Idaho area. I have been to Boise. Yeah. It's It's beautiful. I've only been once, but I've been there. Yeah, we I've lived most of my life in Southern California, but we've been we have been here about sixteen years and so our kids mostly grew up here and it's been a great place to raise our family. Now how old are your children? They're all financially independent, I'm assuming? Yes, they are. Um my youngest is nineteen. Okay. So the oldest is twenty seven. And the nineteen year old is self supporting or uh yes. Um yes, only one is married and he has three children, so I am a grandmother. I have three. And then um, I've got my, so I have three sons and a daughter. So the two boys are rooming together down in the Provo area, working and going to school. My daughter does still live here, but she's independent in that she works full time and does photography on the side. That's great. Okay, perfect. And that's like a big question I asked when we were talking about retirement planning, because obviously if we're planning for retirement, we need to know what type of obligations you have. Right. Um, so that's great that everyone's um, self-supporting. Yes. That's a big deal. It doesn't always happen. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, they have good work ethics, and they're all very independent. Perfect. So then now give us the rundown. You're 52. You've been married 30 years. Your husband is about the same age? Um, He's actually 54, and he has been a UPS driver for just about 30 years. Wow, that's a long time with the same company. Yes. You never heard that on the podcast. Yes. That's wonderful. Okay, so then, now do you work as well? You know, I have mostly been a stay-at-home mom, but I always stay busy. Um, For 11 years, up until just recently, uh, we created and I operated a wedding venue that we had over our property in the country. And so I've done that. And prior to that, I did some coordinating down in L.A. with weddings and special events. 
Yeah, it's kind of been spattered, and and now that I don't have the venue anymore, I'm you know I've started a couple little businesses. They're so tiny, it's hardly worth mentioning. Okay. And also <laughs> to stay busy, I sub at the local high school. Very nice. Okay, so your husband is the main source of income. Yes. Okay. So and then you told me that he's bringing in net weekly um, around eleven hundred a, a week. Yeah, it's it's more like twelve hundred. And it fluctuates. Okay, so then if we figure out on an annual basis, 52 weeks a year, so then monthly, if we average that out, it, he brings in about 4900 a month. Yes. Okay, perfect. Um, okay, so then run me through where we are with savings and debt. So like, if, if you're bringing in for the household 4900 a month, do you have a mortgage? What are the expenses? What is all that? So we have the UPS income. We also have um, my high school income and then other as miscellaneous. And then we are reimbursed for our kids reimburse us for some of our shared expenses with auto insurance and that kind of thing. So my approximate net per month is uh, just a little over 6,000. Okay. Um, so total. So with your subbing and then what the kids pay back for shared expenses, you, you have 6,000 net monthly. Yeah. 6,000. 227 if you want to be exact. exact. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, we'll use high-level numbers. It'll make it a little easier. So 6000 net monthly. And then what are your expenses for that? Um, well, they're higher than I'd like. They, they're they about um, – so I have expenses at about 7000 a month. However, we just paid off our visas. So that will minus 534 of that. Okay. So your expenses are higher than your income, right? Yes. Okay, so let's talk about that. So do you have a mortgage? We do. We have a mortgage. We pay extra every month. So it's it's roughly a 13th payment a year, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, because that reduces effectively what you're paying in interest, therefore a lower interest rate, and then you can knock off your, your mortgage sooner. Right. So we pay about $1,500 a month for our mortgage. Okay. The only debt we have is a small personal loan, and that's at $177 a month. This year is the year to attack that, get rid of it. Okay, and what is the balance on the personal loan? It is uh, $3,000. Oh, okay. Yeah, we should definitely attack that. Okay, so that. And then you just paid off your credit cards. That is correct. Yeah, we just we moved into a new house a year and a half ago, and yeah, to do some things, we did use our credit cards. It's great that you got it paid off. That must be a, it's a nice feeling. Yes. Yes, I worked really hard. We all did. We worked really hard to get those done. Okay, so your biggest your biggest monthly expense is the 1500. And then where and do you have car payments? What where what else do you have? All all the vehicles are paid for. We live very frugally. Um we do spend a lot of time traveling to visit family, but you know, I just I can run through my fixed and my variables if you want to hear the details? Yeah, I want to know where the seven thousand. What's what's making up the seven thousand? Sure. Okay. So we pay tithing. We pay a ten percent tithe. So that's roughly eight hundred a month. So that's a big chunk. I save for Christmas every year. So two hundred and seventeen dollars a month. So natural gas, uh, forty three. Auto insurance, two ninety six. Aflac, fifty nine. Life insurance, ninety two. Disability insurance, twenty one. City of Cuna, 80, Verizon, 329, Idaho Power, 94, Cable, 91, LifeLock, 20, Netflix, 15, HOA, 40, 
We save um, into a savings account about 108 a month. Okay. Fuel, 223. Groceries is roughly 497. We do eat out about 247 a month. We buy a lot of supplements. We have some health issues. Um, okay. So 346 a month goes towards that. Household 40, auto 125, gifts 65, clothes 15, miscellaneous 26, and entertainment 11. I added that all up and it came to the um, 7,030. Yeah. And then I um, subtracted what we've been paying for our visas, which is 500 a month. Yeah, 530. So then you're about 500 because you're technically then 500 over your income. Um, I do a lot with cash flow, so I save every week, mm-hmm. and so that gets that like my husband's um, weekly paycheck fluctuates quite a bit. Okay, so I really learned how to do cash flow. So I save every week, and then it gets used in the weeks where I have more bills than I don't. Okay, so basically, then it sounds more like rather than that you're negative every month because you would have you would have debt more debt. Then it sounds more like you're breaking even depending on the fluctuation of the paychecks. So you save extra in the months where it's higher or the weeks that it's higher with overtime or what, what have you, or with your living. And then you pay, you use that, you put that extra in savings. And then the next week, if it's less in pay and more expense, then you offset it. Exactly. Does that sound right? Yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Just because when you're going through it, it, the high number of 7,000 is, oh, you would then end up with credit card debt every month, right? You'd be negative. So it just sounds like for estimating it's 6,000, but there's definitely months where it's higher and then other months where it's lower, you're just kind of offsetting that with putting away money for the months that it's higher to offset when it's lower. Exactly. Okay. So it's not an exact science. Yeah. Cause even the different expenses fluctuate quite a bit. So I've just done an average. Yeah, absolutely. So then here's, but we do want to get rid of the personal debt, right? Which is 3000, which you have really good income, but you have, we have a lot of expenses. Mm -hmm. So you're paying 177 for that. I mean, I guess what you could do if if you wanted to, is you could not eat out for a couple months to prepay that a bit. That seems like one of the only expenses you would be able, because obviously you have to have auto insurance, or you could even do maybe the Xmas fund, the Christmas fund and the eating out, and then that would get you more. And eating out, we've been on vacation quite a bit. So that's why that's pretty high. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so if you're staying home for a little bit longer, you could probably yeah. then get rid of the personal loan, which is not a really high amount considering what your net income is monthly. Right. And I will get that taken care of this year. It, it'll be gone. Okay, perfect. So then... Once that's gone, the only debt you'll have is your mortgage. Correct. Perfect. Um, And then, so what is the plan? So budgeting, if you definitely have a very good handle on your cash flow, um, what is your plan for retirement? Because since your husband's already been at UPS for 30 years, he's probably eligible for a 55-year-old retirement. Yes, he he could retire now. We just, we need help having a plan, um, a roadmap, when can he really afford to retire? To retire? Right. Cause you don't want to retire and be broke. It's right. no one's goal. Right. And for now, he, my children are covered under his health insurance until age 26. Okay. So that's another big issue as well. As well, so the, my next question was going to be the biggest issue with an early retirement is health insurance. Yes. 
So does he retire with health insurance? Actually, he and I do. Okay. It just changed. So that's my understanding that he and I will continue after retirement, but our children under age 26 will no longer be covered. Okay. So here, and then another follow-up question. The thing that you also need to check on is if he retires and you're both covered under his health, the health insurance that he retires with, if he predeceases you, are you still eligible for that insurance or do you lose it? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. I will ask. Typically, if you're covered under the pension, you would then stay on the health insurance. And I would usually recommend with a married couple that you're covered under the pension. Obviously, you could choose a single life option. It wouldn't be my recommendation. And But that's the big thing also to look at is I think if you do single life, it's not I, you have to check with the individual company if you then would be eligible for continuation of health insurance if he predeceased you. So I think most likely with choosing a pension option, he should cover you. And then you just want to confirm that you would then continue health insurance as well if he were to predecease you. Okay, great. I just wrote that down. Yeah, that's a big thing people don't think about. Yeah. And I do do think, so with the children, with your kids, you have three ch- three children that are under the age of 26. Yes. And they would lose, now do they all have jobs where they have availability for health insurance? Um, I don't think so. Okay. So for them, it's a big deal to be covered. Right. So how, so this is a personal decision, really, is to whether or not you would want him to keep working until they all reach, because your youngest is 19. So that would be another seven years. Right. Now, he just told me he's planning on doing the Army Reserves. I don't know if he'll have health insurance through that. Well, I don't know if the kids would be covered through that. Um, No, I'm talking about my youngest son. Okay, I was like, uh So you are your youngest. And then what's the, the next uh, the next youngest? And then age is 22. 22. Okay, so that would then also be five years. Yes. Okay, well, let's talk about why don't we look at to see whether or not it makes sense for the two of you to retire, and then we can take into consideration what to do with the kids. Okay. With the health insurance. So the, obviously, do you think that, as because you're running the household expenses, do you think that if you were bringing in, do you think you need to be bringing in, well, When's the mortgage going to be paid off? Um, we just moved in a year and a half ago, so it is a 30-year mortgage. So with, with, if we can stay on the plan we're on, supposedly that will knock off seven years. It will, yeah. Okay. Now, do you think that you can live comfortably on $7,000? Um, if prices don't continue to skyrocket, I think so. Okay. I have a bunch of other questions. So the health, you, you and your husband will get health insurance when you retire. That's a big cost. That's usually like the number one obstacle with retiring before age 65. And 65 is when you're eligible for Medicare. Yeah. Okay. So my next question is, what do you have saved up in terms of savings? So the only debt we have is the mortgage. And we have essentially 29 years left on that, according to today's calculations. But with extra principal payments, you should be able to get that, you know, knock seven years off of that. So 22 years. So what do we have? What do you have in terms of savings? So our emergency fund, it's at 16500 Okay. Our 401k, uh, it's pathetic. The pension, we just were naive and thought that that's all we needed. So we only have just under 40000 for the 401k. Now, I looked on the pay stub. Is that a Roth 401k? Yeah. So we did the 401k for a lot of years. And then I guess a year ago or so, we switched to a Roth 401k. Was that a good idea? It, so there's no real right or wrong with it. You you get a bigger tax break by doing um, the traditional. Yeah, we're getting killed by taxes, not having our venue anymore. Yeah, so you're probably in a fairly high tax bracket. We're in 12%. You're in 12%. 
Yeah. You'll probably be about the same in retirement. So how much do you, in the 401k, how much do you have broken down in the pre-tax versus the Roth option? Okay. So exactly in the 401k, it's 38,798. And then the, the Roth is 3,317. Okay. And the rest is pre-tax. I would keep doing the Roth for right now, just because it gives you a, you're getting, you're going to have a little bit of both. Okay. But we can, we can kind of come back to that. I just want to see where we are going to fall. So the majority of your retirement is going to be social security and the pension. Okay. Yeah. Um, and just a side note, you could take the money from your emergency fund and pay off the personal loan and then just pay your back, pay back your emergency fund. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you could eliminate idea. that 177 and whatever interest you're paying and then just pay back your emergency fund. Just borrow from there. I like that idea. Okay. Yeah. So then that one's one less thing to worry about and just keep putting money in the emergency fund. Um, okay. okay. So then back to the retirement. So my, here's my guess. I don't think that it makes sense for you to retire at this point because you have very good income. And okay. I don't think that you're going to live, given how many expenses we have on a monthly basis, I don't think that you're going to be comfortable if your husband were to retire now. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Because the issue, here's the thing with retirement. Your husband is making such good money right now because he's worked for 30 years at the same company and worked his way up. Right. What I see a lot is you don't want to, because what people say is, well, I don't want to do this anymore. So I'll just get you know a part-time job. Your part-time job is when you leave your career position, part-time jobs are almost like hobby jobs at that point, right? They're not, people aren't going to pay you what you're making hourly. You're going to go to something two days a week and make $15 an hour. It's not going to really move the needle at all. And you're still having to work. I like to usually have you stay at your career position where you're making a really good hourly rate and you have really good income a few years longer than to instead retire from your career position, which is your highest income, and then take on a crappy part-time job for like double the time. You would love to have a target. Yeah. So that's what we're, we're going to discuss. So right now, um, the pension, just high level for our listeners, there's two main options that I like. One is uh, with a death gamble, meaning if anything were to happen to him, you would get paid out a lump sum of 56000 roughly. And then the one without the death gamble, which means that you get a higher monthly amount. The primary bench- pension beneficiary would be your husband because he's the employee. He would be eligible for $4,275.50 a month. And then if anything were to happen to him, Leanne, you would get um, 2852 I, I like this option a bit better. The death gamble, as long as you're both in good health and you have longevity, I think that one would work out better for you than the, the death gamble. Okay. That being said, there's not a huge monthly difference where you would see the big difference is if you end up collecting the pension for 25 or 30 years, right? Then when we're looking, the next big component of your retirement is going to be your, is the social security. So the, my hesitancy with doing anything now is there's a lot of factors. One is that we don't have a lot of wiggle room in the budget. And then the second one is we're really still very far from eligibility with social security and the social security, the combination of social security and the pension is what's going to get you to a comfortable retirement where you can actually be retired and enjoy it. So the earliest you're eligible for social security is going to be at 62. Um, At 62 years old, Mm -hmm. your husband is eligible for his um, primary insurance amount at a reduction. And then you would be eligible as a spousal. Um, You would be eligible for your own, which is not as much as a spousal benefit would be. You're better off collecting on a spousal benefit. You would take also a reduction, a pretty significant. You're eligible at full retirement for 50% of your husband's as long as he's collecting with the new uh, laws. 
And at 62, you'd be eligible for 35% of the benefit, which is like hmm. a pretty steep reduction versus 50. Yeah. So what we want to do is get you to a number that I think will make sense for what your current expenses are, because in your, essentially for your retirement, we have another 22 years with the mortgage. So we want to keep the budget about the same. So if he's eligible, and then the other thing we have to look at is God forbid he predeceases you, what are you going to have, right? Because the pension amount would be reduced for just you. So we have to look at both scenarios, both of you being alive and then one of you predeceasing. And my biggest concern is he predeceasing you because statistically you will outlive your husband, women outlive men. So yeah, the number is crazy for women die. It's like a large percentage of them are widows versus a man. So let's see where the magic number plays in. So at your husband is eligible for 1800 at 62, which for him is six years out. So it's 54. So it's eight years out. And then that would get him to the other thing with delaying the retirement a bit is it also gives you time to save more into the 401k. So that gets that yes. number up higher. And would you suggest we stay in the Roth 401k? If you're in remainder? the 12% bracket, you're most likely going to then also be in the 12% bracket in retirement. We're going to just have to look at the tax brackets quick and see where I think you're going to fall in retirement. Yeah. Our accountant said that we probably oh, would we stay in the same tax did? bracket. Yeah. Okay. She did, then yeah. it's a half a dozen one or the other because you're going to pay tax. You either pay tax now or you pay tax later, but you're going to pay the same rate. So there's no right or wrong. I mean, the, what you're doing now is you're going to have some in pre-tax. And if you continue in the Roth, then you'll also have a Roth option so that you'll have two different options when you need money. So yeah. if your husband were to wait till 62 to collect, his social security would be 1832 with the current numbers provided. And then his pension would be 4275. So with his social and his pension, it would be $6,107 gross, not net. And then if you were to collect at the same time, you're eligible for 35% of his primary insurance amount, which is his 67 number. So you should be eligible at that point for $912. So that would get you to a net okay. number, a gross number of 7,000, which means net, you would net less than that. So let's just assume, I don't know what Idaho tax is, but if you were netting 85% of that number, it would get you to 5,900. Okay. So here are two things. So 62, I would say would be the earliest that you, that would make sense for retirement um, just because of the income. But the other thing is, I think 62 is you're going to be your minimum. And then it's just from there, what makes the most sense? I would say maybe for you not having you collect until you turn 67 and maybe using some of the 401k monies, if you needed supplemental between 62 and 67, because you would get 1300 at 67. Right. So maybe okay. using some of the 401k monies, which are going to be variable because they're invested to defer to get a higher social security amount, because that higher amount is guaranteed. You know what you're going to get at that age. Okay. I think a best case scenario, and it just, and a lot of it comes down to your budget, right? Is mm-hmm. if he waited a little bit longer and got his social security, maybe not all the way to 67, he got it up to maybe if he waited mm-hmm. till 64 and it got it closer to you know, 2,200, 2,300, because then let's say he got it up to 2,300 and then he's collecting 4,275, then that's 6,500 gross, which is a good amount of money coming in that's fixed and never goes down, right? So you ha- he has right. really good social security. He has a really good pension. I think the struggle here is the budget is so high. 
Yeah. And we're, we feel like we're so frugal. Because the mortgage, relative to the income, the mortgage is really not bad at 1500 Right. Yeah. yeah. Cars are paid for. So I really think here, because it's only, your mortgage is only 25% of your net income. So 75% of it is the other thing. So I would, I think 62 is going to be the earliest that I would say retirement makes sense, just because that's the age that he's eligible for social security, not and it also gives you more time to save more in the retirement plan. Right. But the problem is we don't have any wiggle room with the budget. So where are we going to, I think you could get to 62 and be in a great spot if we could have a higher savings ratio from now till then. Yeah. Well, and I, now that my kids are gone, it's, I'm trying to find the right perfect job. So I, I could earn quite a bit more. Yeah. And then maybe all of your income goes towards savings. Because as you, you know, emergency fund of 16000 is great. But as you know, owning a house, things are so expensive. Right. And I would need to see, you. Right. I don't think you ever want to be in retirement where exactly what you bring is exactly what you spend. Because then God forbid there's a big right. issue with the house and you need something. Or you need four new tires right. or there's a car accident or, or something happens. Now we're yeah. on a credit card. Right. Right. So I think it's twofold. Waiting till at least 62, I think the longer that you wait, the higher the Social Security, the better and the closer that you are where you'll get more from Social Security as well, Okay. I think is the better scenario. If you at least target 62 as a minimum, and then I would say every year that number gets better. Every year that you wait, the numbers get yeah. better. And then the key would be from now till then is really bulking up the emergency fund and the other savings so that you have some cushion. Because the ret- yeah. retirement, the way... We plan for it is, I would say at 62, let's say that was your retirement, you have to plan for 30 plus years. Right. Because people, I mean, we, I do this as an example, and I think it's Prudential who runs the, who runs the ad, but people um, today with the advancements in technology and medicine are living into their 90s. Right. Which is exciting, but scary. <laughs> it's exciting, but very scary. I went to go see the eye doctor and the eye doctor, I wear my contacts too long. And she's like, you know, you're ruining your eyes. You're wearing your contacts too long. And, you know, statistically, you'll probably live to be in your 90s. So your eyes need to last like another 60 something years. Ooh. And I looked at her and I was like, that's incredible. I tell people that about their money all the time, but I never thought about my eyes. <laughs> yeah, so true with our health. Yeah, so... You know, your husband's worked 30 years, but the money and the time that he spent working is we really need, like if he were to retire today, we would need the money to last 40. Yes. So if you think yeah. about it, to save 30 to make it last 40 is, it's not totally balanced if you think about right. it in a seesaw. Right. So the closer we get into your 60s, there's less pressure for how long your money needs to last, right? Because of the life expectancy. So right. you're always better off because, you know, people say to me like, well, I don't think I'm going to live to my 90s. The issue is if you do live to your 90s, right? Right. So you want it's better to plan for it and then if you don't need it, you don't need it, right? But you don't I don't I don't like to see people retire early and then end up not being able to enjoy themselves. Right. So I think target a minimum of 62 but every year that you do beyond that gets better and I think that if you're able from now until then to increase your emergency fund and increase the 401k savings, I think it'll be a much better position because then what you can do is you can retire at 62 and collect the pension, right? You can collect mm-hmm. the pension and then bridge yourselves, both of you, from 62 to 67 to collect the maximum Social Security, well, not maximum, your full Social Security benefits. Right. Um, and you can, from 62 to 67, live off of the savings that you've accumulated, right? Okay. 
but we don't have enough savings to bridge you from 62 to 67, or even let's say 63 to 67. Mm -hmm. So we need more pieces at this point. Okay. So what I would do is from now till 62, I would increase your retirement savings ratio. I'm not opposed to whether you do, if you want to do pre-tax because it's it's easier for your budget, that's fine. Just, we just need, it's half a dozen one or the other because you'll end up with more in your 401k if you do pre-tax. You'll end up with less with the Roth, but the Roth pays no tax and the pre-tax does. So the tax bracket, if it's going to be equal according to your accountant, won't make a big difference. Increase and then increase the emergency fund. And then I would work on the budget. Okay. Yeah, we just need to earn more so we can save more. Or you don't need to earn. It's, it's one or the other. Either earn more so you can save more or if you feel like you can make cuts in the budget where you could save another 500 a month or something like that. Yeah. Well, we can definitely cut back on the eating out. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's why we, we've had some big big trips with family vacations, just family reunions. So I think that you're in a good a good spot. I don't think that it's anything negative because the pension and social security are really, really good numbers. It's just we want to, with the current budget, we need to wait longer. Mm-hmm. If you came back to me and said, look, our budget now with the mortgage, we only need 4000 to live on, we're in a totally different game. Right. Yeah. And we're not opposed to maybe renting out a room or something at some point. So that would help pay the mortgage or whatever. So we're kicking around a lot of different ideas. Perfect. I think that's key. But overall, I would say I would target a minimum of 62. Okay. Well, that that's really helpful because my husband just keeps saying, so what's our plan? Because <laughs> then that way we, we get you close. We get you close to Social Security, whether you take it at 62 or take it at 64, or 60, but you're at least in that ballpark. Right. Um, and then it gives you another, because he's 54. So it gives you another, you know, eight years to save uh-huh. and then you have eight years less of the mortgage, right? It just, yeah. And then you don't also have to worry about the kids. The kids are now all covered. Right. Hopefully with their own jobs. Hopefully with yeah. their own jobs. Yeah. But at that point it's beyond your control. Uh, right. So that's what I, that would be my, that's my thought on everything. Okay. Well, I really like that. That, that has helped us kind of map it out. And the longer we go beyond that, the better it gets. But that's the minimum, and we have some things to work on. I think we can do it. Yeah, I definitely think you can do it. I mean, and to be honest, it's a very, very comfortable retirement when you have, we like, my dad always told me it was called the three-legged stool concept, where you have three sources of income. You have your own savings, you have a pension, and Social Security. Okay. So you'll, yeah. have, you'll you know, especially now, if you wait till at least 62, it'll give you more time to bulk up this, your own savings. And then you'll have a pension, your own savings and social security. Just a nice, right. nice combination. Right. So I have a question for you. What would be your, cause you are, you are only our first podcast, maybe not our only, but our first podcast where we've really focused on near term, you know, retirement strategy. Uh-huh. What would be your advice for our listeners? If you were doing this over again and and we were having this conversation when you were in your 20s. Oh my goodness, I feel like I would have benefited so much if I had someone who mentored me from the time we were first married or even before. Didn't learn anything in the home really, didn't learn anything in school. <laughs> yeah, but definitely I, don't teach it in school. Yeah, they really don't. So, but I've always been very interested and so I've read books over the years and ones that really stand out, Your Money or Your Life. I don't know if you know that one. And then, um, of course, Dave Ramsey's book on the total money makeover. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and then The Millionaire Maker. Uh, I just read that, and that's really opened my eyes. So anyways, I would definitely have begged, pleaded, whatever, found a mentor who could help me 
with understanding tracking, understanding budgeting. I finally had that person um, in my 40s and she taught me the basic principles. And so that's something that from then on, I've been able to really track pretty well and budget really well. I'm so visual that I now keep everything on the fridge because I, I feel like that way the family knows where our money is going, how much is coming in. You know, it just, uh, it gives them more of a, a realistic view as to what things really cost and what our goals are. I think having a mentor is key, someone like that. I didn't know that pensions were taxed till a few years ago. Oh, gosh, so really? that was a real, uh, that's how naive we are. We just don't know these things. You know Social Security is taxed, right? Did you know that? It is taxed. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm sorry. Don't kill the messenger. Social Security is it's taxed federally and can also be taxed at the state level, depending on your state of residence. Okay. People, I mean, people like me just don't know these things. Social Security wasn't taxed prior to 1984 and was a way that the government got more money. Yeah. And so what happened is the, the threshold for taxation since 1984, which is my year of birth, has never changed. So before it was like meant to be taxing high income earners, but the mm-hmm. income in 1984 is very different than it is in 2019 and they've never changed those thresholds. So I would call it a tax trap because millions and millions of people are falling into it because the thresholds are so low for the taxation. Oh, interesting. Everything else is inflation and just it, right? Even your social security, your social security, they'll right. give you a raise, they'll adjust it for inflation, but they don't adjust the taxation thresholds. Very interesting. Okay, so yeah, and I wish that I would have started investing, even if it was just $5 a week back in my 20s. And so that's what I would say to my grown children is, please start now. Don't wait until you think you can afford it. Just start. Whatever it is, just start. Right, I totally agree. I think getting started as soon as possible is the best. Like you said, even if it's 5 or $10, it's worth it to get in the habit of doing it because it's much harder to play catch up later on. Right. Yep. Can I ask you a question? What are your thoughts on something like Betterment? We have definitely had people on the show who use it. I'm not sponsored by anybody, so I don't recommend any of the, you know, different robo-advisors from one to the other. Mm-hmm. I think that if it works for you, that's great. If you want to use that as your vehicle, I think the key is to make sure that investments really fit you because sometimes people come in and I don't think that the portfolio is maybe the best fit for their goals. So you just want to make sure that you have the right investments and that things are titled properly because the other thing I think I see with when it's set up online, um, it's not always titled the right way. What I mean by that is, if it's just an, an investment account for you, for example, you would really want to make sure there's a beneficiary on there for the most, you know, not for everybody, just yes, so that sir. it wouldn't go through probate if it didn't have to. Right. I just feel like there's a couple little things you always just want to check to make sure that are right. But I don't have an opinion one way or the other on any of the different robos. I, my biggest issue is that I want people, especially our listeners, to make sure that they have financial strategies and that they're getting in the game so that they can be more successful. Because as you said, the younger you start, the better. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, do you have any other questions? We went through a lot. This is like a really dense podcast. <laughs> you know, I do have a question because of um, my love of the high school kids. Do you have any recommendations? I would love to get out there and maybe earn more income. Also spreading financial literacy. Any thoughts on that? I mean, I think financial literacy is so critical to people's success. So I'm all about spreading financial literacy. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you can get someone to pay you for it, I think the hard part about financial literacy is people don't always want to pay for it. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering if you're aware of any programs or anything that uh, somehow we can help other people 
not end up at my age, not really understanding basic finance, even though I've, I listen to a lot of financial podcasts and those have really helped educate me over the last few years. And I've read a lot of books over the years, but still really applying it has just not been easy. No, it is hard because when you read everything in general and it can be hard to make it applicable to your own situation because as it is in the word, it's personal. Right. It's not always easy to take what you hear or what you read and make it adjust it for your own situation. Um, I don't know anything off the top of my head, but I think, I, you know, I think we have, there's a lot of really great podcasts out there and literature out there. And, you know, you know, the whole reason we do the podcast is to help improve financial literacy, especially amongst women. Yes. And I appreciate that a great deal. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, it was wonderful having you on the show. I hope this was helpful. Yes, very helpful. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. So for our listeners, if you like our podcast, it would be wonderful if you could rate and review us on iTunes. And you can also follow along on Instagram, which is at Financial. And if you'd like to learn more about personal finance, you can check us out at www.planancial.com. And we have our online class that's in partnership with SUNY Ulster. And we are also going to be publishing more classes um, at the end of 2019. So check it out. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.